Good afternoon, everyone, or evening or morning or whenever it is that you're listening to this. Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Dan Viennes. We're going to talk Rams Seahawks week 18 on a uh, just kind of a typical Seattle January day. Actually, this is pretty good. You know, when you look forward to or you look ahead to a home game at this time of year, forecast is for basically what's happening right now as I record this. Light rain, hardly any wind, just drizzly, 50 degrees, mild temperatures. Supposed to be what it's like tomorrow at game time. In other words, weather should not play a huge factor in this game. This time of year, anytime you can get away without having snow or or brutal cold or really high winds or a hard, hard downpour, oh, that's a win. Weather will also not be a factor tomorrow. In fact, as I'm doing this, let me double check because sometimes forecasts change. In Green Bay tomorrow, as the Lions take on the Packers in a game that could have great importance if the Seahawks were to win tomorrow against the Rams. The Seahawks play at 1 o'clock, and then the Lions-Packers are Sunday night football. The league doing that to add a little bit of drama. Of course, we know the situation for the Seahawks now. At 8-8, and a win tomorrow. And then a Lions win over the Packers puts them in the playoffs. Uh, Current forecast, by the way, for tomorrow in Green Bay cannot be any better for this time of year. Uh, Sunny skies, high of 30, low of 21, light winds, no snow. Um, Weather should not be a factor there for the Lions and Packers as well. We'll get into that in just a minute. Um, But first, let's just kind of break down the matchup, right? This season has not gone the way it was expected to go for either of these two teams <laughs> for very, 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 very different reasons. Um, uh, who would have thought the, the Seahawks would be eight and eight at this point uh, or that the Rams would be where they were? Obviously, the, the Super Bowl hangover, um, you know, winning the Super Bowl, not making the playoffs. Very, very um, difficult to predict even with the injuries. Rams weren't playing well before they started to have players drop like flies. Um, The all-time series, if I were to tell you what you thought the all-time series uh, record was for the Seahawks and the Rams, it'd be interesting to see what kind of responses that I would get. There have been periods of time where one team has dominated the other. And there have, mostly for Seahawks fans, there have been periods of time that we remember when bad Rams teams caused Seahawks teams problems. So some of you may think that it's it's it falls in favor of the Rams. But 26-24, the all-time record, the Seahawks leading that. But lately, it's been more in the Rams' favor. They've won four of the last six at Lumen Field. Home field advantage has not really played a part in this series. Um, of course, the last time these two teams met, December 4th, Seahawks won that one 27-23. It was really the beginning of the end for the Rams as far as... Um, Cooper Cup had already been out, but that's that's about the time in their schedule when when we knew that we weren't going to see Matt Stafford or Aaron Donald again this year. Uh, Seahawks win 27-23. That is the game, if you remember, with 36 seconds left. Geno Smith, uh, the touchdown pass to DK Metcalf to seal the win. It was the game everybody had been waiting for, to see Geno Smith with a ball in his hands at the end of a game with an opportunity to march down the field and uh, and direct the team to a winning score. We got to see that. Um Seahawks are six-point favorites in this game, and let's look at the injuries. Of course, let's start with the Rams. Um, As I mentioned, no Aaron Donald, no Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson is out. Um, We knew that coming in, but they're banged up in other places too. Brian Allen, their center, 
um, is questionable for this game. Nick Scott, their their safety is out. Um, and um, that's really it of any significance. Greg Gaines, the former Husky, um, had been limited earlier in the week. He is going to play to help fortify that the middle of their defensive line. As far as the Seahawks go, um, Tyler Lockett among uh, the bigger names that are questionable for this game, and not because of the hand, not because of the broken bone in his hand, but because of a shin injury that he suffered late in the game against the Jets last week. He did practice limited on Friday. I would say that's good news, and we should expect Tyler Lockett on the field tomorrow. Quentin Jefferson uh, didn't practice. Phil Haynes, Damian Lewis didn't practice on Friday. So we may see some shuffling at the guard spot. May see Jake Curran in there. Um, And uh, the biggest one's probably Ryan Neal. Uh, The safety has been playing so well, but also has battled injuries. And this, as we get into the offseason, we start talking about which free agents are priorities for this team to bring back. The way Ryan Neal has played this year, with Jamal Adams being out, uh, he's an unrestricted free agent this offseason, has played himself into a, a role, and he's made himself some money this year. But the thing about Ryan Neal that I don't know if it gets talked about enough, enough is he's had a hard time staying on the field in his career. He gets banged up a lot. But if he's not able to play in this game, that'll certainly be a factor. Um, Seahawks would likely go with um, Jonathan Abram again, uh, alongside uh, Quandary Diggs, of course. The Rams look much different than they did uh, when they won the Super Bowl last year, certainly, even earlier this year. They look a lot different than they did when the Seahawks played them in early December. And that's because, at the time, that was John Wolford playing quarterback with Stafford out. And then they went and acquired Baker Mayfield when he was waived by the Panthers. And the perception is that Mayfield has been a great fit there, um, that he's played well. Some people have even, have even um, predicted that, that, that he may have kind of built up his stock a little bit as he goes into this offseason looking for an opportunity to play somewhere. And that maybe the fit is still in L.A., even if Matthew Stafford comes back, because he does tend to fit that offense. But there was the Thursday night game where he led the team down the field on the winning drive through the winning touchdown to Van Jefferson. Looked fantastic in that game. And he only had two days to study the playbook. Uh, Since then, though, the number's pretty pedestrian. Uh, 67% completion rate, but... only averaging 176 yards a game passing, four touchdowns, one interception, a 95.2 rating. He's been sacked 12 times in the last four games. Other Rams continue to have some issues up front offensively. They just have not been able to get the same uh, group of five on the field um, consistently this year. And just when it looks like they're about there, Brian Allen gets banged up. But the Rams have seen a, a little bit of a resurrection in their running game. Recently, remember Cam Akers early this season, coming into the season, there was a lot of high hopes for him. Second year coming off the big injury. We saw how good he was at the end of his rookie year, especially against Seahawks. And what a key he was. Kind of looked like that bell, that bellwether running back um, that was a perfect fit for Sean McVay's system. But for whatever reason, earlier this year, just wasn't productive, got in the doghouse. They were trying to trade him at one time. He was, he was a healthy scratch for a number of games. But he's found his rhythm and he's gotten back in their good graces and, and looking more like the Cam Akers um, that we saw two years ago. And that kind of started against the Seahawks. He had two touchdowns in that game, even though um, 
only 60-something yards rushing. But over his last two games, 241 yards, three touchdowns. And over his last five games, he's gotten in the end zone six times. That wide receiver group, though, uh, and really just the receiver group as a whole in L.A., really banged up. Uh, they're leading wide out with with all those other guys out. Um, aside from Van Jefferson is Ben Skoranek. He's been banged up, though. He had some limited practice time earlier this week. And then their tight end, Tyler Higby, who's only been there a couple seasons, but seems like he's been there forever, doesn't it? Um, Seahawks struggled on the ground in the last game, only 90 yards rushing in this one. DJ Dallas led the way with 37 yards. I believe this was the game where Kenneth Walker got hurt. I think he had a big run early ran out of bounds, and, and that's when he kind of hurt his foot, stuck with it, tried to stick with it. I, I, I'm i quite sure that was this game. But he's been good lately. So the Seahawks coming off that, that really their most complete performance of the year against the Jets, wire-to-wire win. Defense played well, stopped the run, harassed Mike White into his worst game of the year. By the way, and, and this may have been a contributing factor because White was really inaccurate in that game. Um, and he had missed the game before with a rib injury. Uh, the team has scratched him for week 18. He will not play again this season. Uh, he has three broken ribs. So that may have been a contributor. Uh, but still, the uh, Seahawks defense played really well last week. And the offense moved the ball, ran the football. Kenneth Walker over 100 yards. Um, he's looking healthier and healthier each game. Geno Smith, an efficient game. Um, look, here... <laughs> Here's the bottom line for me on this game. Seahawks are favored by six. I've already heard, and I get it. I've heard a lot of, oh, I don't know. I expect the Rams to be annoyingly difficult on Sunday. I think those were the exact words of Joe Fan when he was on the show a couple of days ago with um, with Dana. But I've, I've heard other people say it as well. You know, you always have to worry about games like this. Rams have nothing to play for. They seem to have found something in their running game. Baker Mayfield's playing pretty well. Um... But here's, here's how I look at it. This is a game the Seahawks should win. They should. And that's been hard to say over the last six, seven, eight weeks because once the defense started to struggle the second time, after it appeared they found something in, in that second quarter of the season, it, it became very difficult to know on a week-in, week-out basis what we were going to get from this team. Um. But I think when you take the second half against the Chiefs and how well they played against the run, how well they played for the most part against Patrick Mahomes, and they were able to move the football against them, um, and then how well they played against the Jets. Jets have a lot of talent on defense, moved the football, they were efficient, they ran the football, and they they in those six quarters against those two teams have been able to bottle up the run. Rams don't have any vertical threats. Went over their receiving core. And the Seahawks secondary is the best part of their defense right now, playing really well. They should be, this team should be able to focus on stopping Cam Akers in the run. Certainly they're familiar with that scheme, obviously, with Shane Waldron being a part of it. There shouldn't be any mysteries there. And they should be able to force Baker Mayfield to try and have to beat them through the air. Is he good enough to do it? It'll be interesting at to watch in another sense, because it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about whether or not Baker Mayfield should be here in Seattle and 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 that he might have been the guy that some of us wanted to play quarterback when he was available this offseason, before we knew what we had in Geno. Just another little subscript to this game. 
Um, so that's that's my general take on this game. Look, this is one they should win. And, and regardless of how you feel about whether you want the Seahawks to make the playoffs or not, or if you'd rather have that draft pick in the middle of the first round be another pick or two higher. Uh, two takes for me on that. Number one, I think it's always better to win. It's a young team, right? This is a young team building, heading in the right direction. Um, need another really well-executed offseason to continue that momentum and, and continue to, to build that roster towards one that can contend for the playoffs year in, year out. Young players, man, this stuff sticks with them. You get into the playoffs, you experience that atmosphere, what it's like to come through in a do-or-die game, basically, and then also to get to play in a playoff atmosphere uh, is, uh, it's hard to quantify how valuable that is to young players. Um, and so I, I would rather have that than to have to pick 19th instead of 22nd. Um, so there's that. Now the flip side of that is, do I think the Lions can beat the Packers? Yeah, I do. Um, this isn't the same old Lions team and this isn't the same old Packers team. They've played well lately. They've gotten themselves back onto the doorstep of the playoffs when it looked like a few weeks ago, not look like it was. We were talking about and 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 people who cover the league nationally were talking about, "Hey, maybe it's time to sit Aaron Rodgers and play Jordan Love and see what they have for the future because this team's going nowhere." And then they get on a roll. And now they're a win away from the playoffs. And there's been a lot of talk about how fair or unfair the league is being by scheduling these games the way that they did, by putting Lions Packers Sunday night. So if the Seahawks win, the Lions are eliminated in that case. And and then it comes down to Packers or Seahawks. And so the idea that the Lions then wouldn't have anything to play for and would lay down and not be as competitive. If you believe that, you haven't been paying attention to the Detroit Lions, to how well they've been playing offensively and defensively and how hard that team's team plays for that head coach. They got something going there. Didn't look that way early in the year when the Seahawks played them. They were a mess. And it looked like maybe this Dan Campbell guy is, is all talk. Maybe he's a little over his head, but there's something happening there in Detroit. And there's also the Lions Packers rivalry. Aaron Rodgers said some things that were derogatory towards the Lions earlier this season. Campbell has come out and said it this week, and I 100% believe the sentiment behind it. Seahawks win. Lions aren't, aren't going to be any less motivated to go out there and win because they're trying to build something. They're not all in. Playoffs are bust for this year. They're trying to build something, and they would love nothing more than to beat the Packers at Lambeau Field to finish out this season, get some momentum, feeling good going into the offseason, even if that carrot playing in the playoffs wasn't there in front of them. I'm not concerned about that. Would I put money on the lines? No. I think the Packers are fairly favored in this one. Five points. Um, But there's a chance. And it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Seahawks have to take care of business first and foremost. And then we all get to sit back and, uh, and watch that game unfold on Sunday. Um, I... Now, with that in mind, I will most likely, uh, I'm going to the game. So there's always a little bit of a delay there as far as my rapid reaction show. Um, 
I don't think I'm going to do a rapid reaction show tomorrow unless something really, really dynamic happens that I feel like needs to be talked about immediately. But instead, I'll do uh, a reaction show on Monday because then we'll know everything. We'll know the playoff standings. Um, and even though many of you might not be up to hear it, I may do it after the Lions-Packers game Sunday night. But just to let you know, it won't be immediately following the Seahawks game on Sunday because we'll want to wrap it all up. Are they in the playoffs? Okay, let's go. And let's talk about that. And let's look at the matchup and see what that might mean. If they're not, then we start looking ahead. And John Gilbert from Field Goals will be joining me as soon as the season is officially over. And we're going to dive into the salary cap situation. He wrote about it on Field Goals the other day. And we're going to talk about it in a little more detail and, and talk about some hypotheticals. Um, CX don't have a whole lot of cap space to work with this offseason. But that is a subject that we'll get into uh, when the season's officially over. So that's the plan for tomorrow night. Um, one thing I'm going to be watching tomorrow, and I think we all will, to me, the most fascinating matchup in this game, even, I think, more fascinating than DK Metcalf against Jalen Ramsey. That's always going to be good. And DK has owned him the last two times. And I'm sure that'll be a focal point in this game again, especially with DK winning, catching the game winner against Ramsey. He's going to be more fired up than usual. Probably going to be a little talking between those two. What do you think? Uh, but to me, the most fascinating matchup is Mike versus Mike. And if you're all <laughs> sitting there thinking, Mike who? Mike? Mike Jackson? No. Uh, no. Mike linebacker versus Mike linebacker. Middle linebacker versus middle linebacker. Obviously, this is Bobby Wagner's return to Lumen Field for the first time since the Seahawks released him and he, was, and he signed with the Rams. Uh, he was very diplomatic and gracious um, when they played him down there, as he as he should be. Also played great in that game, had an interception, a ton of tackles, and a couple sacks. He was everywhere. Um, but this is the first time coming home, playing in front of the home fans. And he did mention again this week, you know, that that you feel like a team gave up on you. And so there is a little extra edge to that. I... I think we're beyond that, but I get it. Players do what they have to do to psych themselves up. And and he has every reason to look forward to this game as, as something more than just another football game. He's having a good season. Look, I'll admit I was wrong. I, I, I didn't think that Bobby Wagner was completely washed and finished, but I thought in a similar way to what led to the decision to trade Russell Wilson, that Bobby's best days were likely behind him, that, that he just couldn't get sideline to sideline anymore. The knee was always going to be an issue. He wasn't as explosive. And uh, that the Seahawks had to do some things in coverage last year to cover up for that. And it, and it, it was a detriment to the team as a whole. He's played well this year, 133 tackles. Um, he's been healthy and uh, it's good to see just uh, there aren't many human beings who have ever played for the Seahawks who have been uh, more enjoyable to watch develop or uh, to visit with, uh, which I've had an opportunity to do a couple of times. And one of the most pleasant people I've ever met athlete or not. Um, and so that's going to, all eyes are going to be on Bobby Wagner, of course. And then on the Seahawks side with the ACL injury last week to Jordan Brooks out for the season and, and likely the way ACL injuries go and particularly at the position he plays his 2023 season is in jeopardy. Now, depending on how the surgery goes, how severe the injury is, is there other damage? Um, also there's a fifth year option decision to be made. Um, as we get into the offseason, we talk about priorities, and acquisitions that need to be made, 
linebacker certainly shoots up the list now. It was already a priority for me. If you've seen a bunch of my mock drafts I've done, I've been targeting some outside linebacker types. Uh, they're a little more dynamic, sideline to sideline, can, can get into coverage and get after the quarterback um, as a priority in this draft. Um, but now you have to wonder about Mike Linebacker because Cody Barton is a unrestricted free agent as well. He's going to slide over and play that position now, make the calls on defense. Played well last week after Jordan went out. He has played well there in the past. And it's it's to me, Cody Barton's one of the most fascinating storylines of the season. And I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating um, things to watch in the offseason. What is his market and how how badly do the Seahawks want him back? Because early this season, he took a lot of criticism and a lot of heat for the problems the Seahawks were having on defense early on. Poor tackling, poor run fits, not shedding blocks. He and Brooks both did not look good early this season. But now, it's interesting to see that turn around. And now, some of the analysts that I respect the most are saying, this guy's playing really well. He's playing the best football of his career. He can win with this guy. And some people actually believe he might be a little better fit at Mike than weak side. Doesn't have to cover as much. Can play moving forward, get physical, take on blocks. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how he plays tomorrow. And it could be a very impactful performance for him in the eyes of the team, the rest of the league, the fans. Um, and obviously something that we'll talk about a lot more heading into the offseason. Speaking of the offseason, let's talk about some draft impacts potentially from this game, right? Right now as a season, uh, as the Seahawks sit right now, they would have the third pick in the draft and the 19th. That could change pretty significantly after tomorrow. Although they cannot fall to any lower than the fifth pick in the draft. Um, the Broncos play the Chargers tomorrow. Chargers are a better team, but they may rest starters. If the Broncos lose that game, I think the Seahawks are locked into the three pick. The Bears are at two. Houston's at one. They have that locked up. The Bears are at two. They're not going to win. They're not going to beat Minnesota tomorrow, even if the Vikings rest some players. Justin Fields has been ruled out of that game, and the Bears have been terrible even with him. So the best they can do, they can technically still make the two seed, but the Bears would have to win. So it really comes down to this Broncos-Chargers game. Chargers win. Seahawks are picking third. We've talked about this before. Guarantees you a shot at Jalen Carter or Will Anderson if you want it, or if you want one of those top quarterbacks. Um, but if Denver wins, Seahawks could drop to as low as five um, because the Cardinals play the Niners and are unlikely to uh, win that game as well. The Chargers may or may not have something to play for. Uh, it depends on the Bengals and uh, Ravens. The Ravens have to win for the Chargers to still have a shot at the fifth seed. Do you think the Ravens have a shot to beat the Bengals right now? With their quarterback situation, some of their other injuries? I don't know. I don't know. We will see what the impact is of coming off a week in which the Bengals experienced what they experienced on Monday Night Football with the Bills and Darvin Hamlin, who uh, just, just want to mention... Um, again, if you've been reading the updates, um, he was able to FaceTime his teammates yesterday. Uh, he's doing great. looks like he's going to make a full, full recovery. And, um, after what we all experienced on Monday, um, could there be any better news? The league has decided they will not replay that game. They will simply go with winning percentage. Uh, 
And if there are any fairness issues perceived on uh, potential impact that game might have had on home field advantage, they'll play the AFC Championship game at a neutral field. I like how the league has gone about doing that. I like how everyone universally has been willing to accept whatever they decide because none of it matters outside of the fact that that young man is going to make a full recovery. Um, so if the Bengals win that game, it's a moot point. The Chargers cannot improve their seating, and Brandon Staley has said they will then make appropriate decisions and likely not play some guys. So we'll see. As far as the 19th pick, that could drop a little bit. There are eight teams still bunched up with the Seahawks at eight and eight. One of those is Miami, though. They've forfeited their pick. So really, there's only seven teams kind of battling in that range. So that pick, obviously, if they if they make the playoffs, it'll be a lower pick. So it could go up. I think it could go as high as 15, potentially. Uh, if they miss out on the playoffs, it could go as low as, well, it could drop a couple of picks. Uh, some news this week. That was a bummer for yours truly. Jared Verse, the outstanding edge player, defensive end out of Florida State, who everybody assumed was going to come out in the draft, is not. Announced yesterday he will stay at Florida State for another year. Michael Thompson, uh, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago to do a mock draft with, has him as his fourth best edge player. He's a guy that the more I watched him, the more I studied him, the more I thought he'd be a perfect fit. I think one of the biggest draft needs for this team moving into this offseason is to draft defensive players that fit their scheme. If they're going to stay with the 3-4, as Pete Carroll says they are, they need bigger, more versatile edges. Puna Ford and Shelby Harris can't be your defensive ends uh, in week one next week if you if you expect to make that scheme work. And Jared versus a guy that... that uh, stout against the run, but also explosive as a pass rusher and would have been a perfect fit. And likely he was being rated around the the range of their second pick. Could have been a guy they could have got at the end of the first round. Um, but hey, again, NLI, the name, likeness, and image thing is changing the landscape. The sheer number of really good players that are turning down the NFL to return to school now is shocking. I didn't, I didn't see this coming. I didn't think it would be this significant. Because a guy like Verse... Let's say he gets drafted 15th. That's guaranteed, what is that? Guaranteed 20-ish million dollars, something like that. Maybe more than that. I'm just going off the top of my head. You're not getting that in NLI money to go back. But I have to check myself sometimes when I think about that because it's a very selfish reason. I wanted Jared Verse to come out. I wanted Michael Penix to come out. He would have been a guy I would have loved to have taken maybe on day two. But then I have to remind myself that for years, I've wanted some of these kids to stay in school. It's encouraging. It's refreshing. Yeah, they're going to make some money, but they deserve to be compensated for as much money as they make their institutions and as much as they put their, their bodies on the line. Now more than ever. Now more than ever, in light of what we saw Monday. Yeah, you could argue, well, if you turn pro and you get that guaranteed contract, you get that bigger, there's more security. But what if you don't? What if you tear an Achilles in workouts like Sidney Jones did the year he was preparing for the draft and you tumble down draft boards? And also, you want these kids to want to play for their schools, right? Isn't that what we want? We want fewer guys to play the transfer portal game every year. We like loyalty to be rewarded. And it's going to be good for the college game. You know, the more good players that come back, the better the game is. Um, 
So that's where that stands. Some other guys haven't declared yet one way or the other, but that's a big one. Jared Verse is a guy that I had mocked um, intentionally and, and planned some of my mock draft simulations around, um, and now he's off the board. Um, so that's where we're at with that, and we'll see how some of those fall as well. The next time you hear my voice, we're going to know where the Seahawks' first pick lands. We may know where their second pick lands if they were to lose and miss out on the playoffs or win and the Packers hold serve. So, again, um, may do a late post-game reaction show tomorrow after the Lions-Packers game, just kind of depending on how things go, but most likely uh, we'll do a full uh, recap on Monday and look ahead. We're either going to be talking about the playoffs or we're going to be talking about the draft. Either way, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. One of the most important offseasons in Seahawks history. I firmly believe that. And I'll be here for you, along with Dana, the whole way through. So enjoy the game tomorrow. I am Dan Viennes. Thank you for listening to Field Goals. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Subscribe to the podcast so you get notification of new episodes. And uh, until we meet again, go Seahawks. We'll hash it all out very shortly. See you.